You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Lewis, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Great to have you on the program today. Brian, it's, it's a blessing and honor to be here with you, man. Thank you. couple quotes here from some notes you shared with me. And one of those that I love is you have a journey from a worldly, lukewarm youth to a faith-filled believer on a mission to bring the kingdom of God outside the walls of the church. Looking forward to getting into that transition. And then the big takeaway here is you would love to see a rebirth in the belief of the impossible in Jesus' name, that faith would rise, that God can do anything through our yes. So, tell us a little bit about your backstory, Lewis, and what that faith journey looked like from a lukewarm youth. Brian, I grew up a big, amazing Italian and Greek family just north of Los Angeles, a place called Thousand Oaks, and had a awesome childhood, massive family, you know, pasta dinners at grandma and grandpa's, the whole nine yards, but Grew up in an environment where I knew what love was, I knew family, relationship, all that stuff, but knew of God. Being Italian and Greek, we'd show up at Mass, Catholics and Greek Orthodox sort of a thing. And so knew of God, but certainly was not walking for him. And going through childhood, my story, lukewarm is, is a good description. I I was a typical Southern California, just dumb kid, I think is is the way to put it. I pornography, lust partying, you name it. That was my childhood. And the whole time knew of God. And to be honest, always knew like he, he was there, always knew that I wasn't walking the way I should be and that there was more. And honestly, just at the time, just shoved it down and ignored it. Always felt his call, but just went through life. And there were bigger, more important things to, to focus on. And I think that most people can relate to that in some way that just kind of going through motions in life, but I'm not motivated enough or I'm just too scared to, to turn and look at what this, this God that's calling me. Anyways, in, in college, I went to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and there's a pornography thing going on. I'm partying, but I got introduced to this thing called, and back in the day, they actually called it Campus Crusade for Christ. It's, it's now called Crew. And I started going to a little Bible study that they did in the dorms. And God really started opening things up in my heart, but I didn't change my lifestyle uh, at all at that time but I really got to know God. And I had this, this double personality, if you will, where I, I began to love Jesus, but I wouldn't change. I was living both sides of the fence. And uh, that carried through graduation. And I was, I was leading Bible studies by my senior year. I was in the scripture, but I just did not let go to the worldly things. I just, I wouldn't do it. And so after college, I, I got into the insurance industry, started working for a company called Hartford. And I was a sales guy and Started doing really well there, managing a territory for them, and met my wife. I won't go into that story, blind date, and pretty much fell in love instantly. Within a week, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, this is the girl I'm gonna marry. <laughs> and uh, took her a little bit longer to, to get on that same page, but we eventually, within about seven months, we were engaged, and I still had this secret of lust and pornography and all this stuff in my life at that point in time. And I remember the morning that I was going to get married, I went down to the beach and literally got on my knees before God. And I said, God, and essentially repented. 
and said, I, I, we need to talk. And I am so sorry. This is, this has been my life for X number of years. I don't want it anymore and uh, protect my marriage. Help me. And it was this moment I had never really gotten vulnerable like that before the Lord uh, in my life. And I meant every word of it. I was totally sincere. And so we get married and everything is great, except, and I turn my back on all that stuff. But my wife, of course, it comes out. She finds out that like, hey, there's this big secret and you haven't been honest. And it nearly destroyed our marriage. We were on the cusp of divorce. Wow. And all the secrets, could she trust me? And I was broken. I was absolutely broken, just on the edge Mm -hmm. of what is happening and everything's falling apart. I'm 23 years old. I'm young and just a broken dude. And so we go to counseling. I get involved in Celebrate Recovery at the church that we're at, and I'm doing all this stuff. And in that season, it just, in spite of it all, like the marriage was not making it. And so we pulled a Hail Mary. My wife was originally from Denver and her family was there. And I quit my job, which was crazy because it was a great job. I was making good money and left family, left friends, left the whole life. And we moved to Denver. And at that point in time, the only reason we really hadn't gotten divorced, the only reason is uh, she got pregnant right away. It was one of the oops first childs. And uh, that was a miracle. That was a a blessing because it it held the marriage together. And so we end up in Denver. I I get a job that I was not so excited about, but took a job because I needed to be working and pay the bills. And uh, moving to Denver didn't fix anything. But what did happen is we found a church just south of Denver in Castle Rock, Colorado. And we show up at this church and I'm broken. I'm hungry. I'm just, my heart is very open. And we walk into this church and it was like, I met somebody. There was somebody in the service that I had not experienced before that way. God's presence was tangible. And it was the beginning of what I'll define as a a crazy God journey. So it was a spirit-filled, awesome community church out there. And and God wrecked me to the point where I would be crying almost every service. I was introduced to the Holy Spirit for the first time. I started hearing stories and testimonies of what God was doing in our little city and around the world. And this thing awokened in me that was just like, oh my gosh, there's more. There's this. I didn't God, I didn't know. Like I had no idea. I read about it in the Bible. I didn't know that was like today. And my faith started to rise of like, is it possible? Like, can God do these things? So I'm in this period of awakening, of going deeper in the Lord, of maturing in my faith. And my marriage starts to improve. Not a still not a great marriage, but not in crisis mode. And in that season, we show up at church one day. And uh, you know how in the lobby, there'll be like little booths and stuff's going on with events with the church or whatever. Yeah. Well, anyways, these new people were there and they're getting signatures at our church. They're collecting signatures for this thing we were going to vote on in Colorado called the Brady Amendment. Essentially, it was to define an uh, unborn baby as a person, like an anti-abortion thing. And they're trying to get signatures. I talked to them. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll sign that. That's cool. And I ask like, hey, so how many signatures do you need to get this on the ballot? They're like, oh, and they tell me it's 100,000, whatever. And I'm like, oh, well, shoot, you can just go to all the churches in the state. You'll easily get that. And they told me, they're like, well, the problem is about 80% of the churches won't let us in. Eight, zero. Wow. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, that's that's stupid. Come on. Like, there's no way. And they're like, no, we're serious. About 80% won't let us in. And I felt something I had not felt in my entire life. It was this anger. Are we that like 
impotent as a church? Are we that dumb? Like, are you kidding me? Like, it just didn't, it didn't, the dots didn't connect in my brain. It was like, that's impossible. It really bothered me. So I signed the thing, we go home and for about two weeks, I cannot shake this. And it was, it's in my mind, it's bothering me constantly. And finally, what it was God knocking on the door, actually starting to speak and being very patient with me for me to actually respond and engage in conversation with him. But finally, I'm like, I go to him and I'm like, God, what is this? Mm -hmm. Which is funny that I didn't think to do that immediately, but I just wrestled with it myself. And anyways, and he's like, Lewis, this is a symptom of a bigger issue in my people, in my church. And this whole world opened up to me. God downloaded this whole thing. And it was my churches, you have not walking as one and it has no faith and it's living in fear of the world. The enemy has planted the seed of fear and my church has become impotent because of it. And I, I'm just, it's the first time in my life. Like I've heard, I didn't hear a voice, but God spoke and this thing explodes inside me of like, well, I'm doing something about this. This is ridiculous. Like I'm like, No way. Like, I can't ignore it. Let me pause and summarize these three things I heard. What the church is not doing was walking by faith, being fearful of the world, and not being unified. Is that correct? That's it. I had not done ministry. I don't know how any of that works. I'm totally ignorant. So I go home, I put worship music on, and I I build a PowerPoint presentation, and I'm spending time with God, actually engaging Him in like, Okay, well, what am I supposed to do? How it wasn't what am I going to do? It's what are we going to do, God? Mm. How are we going to do this? So you had this partnership mentality from the beginning when you got stirred yes. up. Yeah, it was what are we going to do about this? So I spend about uh, a week or two, and I literally I don't know what else to do. So I'm in business, I do presentations. So I literally build a PowerPoint presentation for this thing called the Unity Project, and I I talk to my pastor, and I'm like, hey, I want to present this thing to you. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. And we schedule a time. I go into his office and I literally bring my computer and I do a PowerPoint <laughs> presentation because I have no, I don't have a grid for any of this. I'm just sure. like, and I'm really excited. I'm young. Like, here's what God said. And here's what he's going to do. And this is going to be awesome. And uh, I do it. And he kind of, he's kind of quiet the whole time. He's like, well, that's great. Go do it. And I'm like, well, well, don't you need to like do something or isn't like, like, isn't there like a process? He's like, no, just go do it. This is great. I fully support it. Go do it. And God actually called us to go get pastors together, to pray for our cities, to have community and to seek the awakening of the church in our region. At that point in time, I didn't even understand the prophetic fully, but I actually saw a big event that I was like, God's going to unify the church. It's going to be this great thing, revival. And, and there's going to be a huge event. We have this place called Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. And I was like, God's going to pack it out. And it's going to be this massive worship and turning point in the state. And I like really believed it. And I didn't understand like prophetic or like, I didn't get it, but I, that's what God said. So I just presenting it to my pastor. So I get a few buddies and we start Googling churches in Douglas County, Colorado. And we literally build an Excel sheet of like, I don't even, it's like a, it's like 150 churches. And so we're Googling and I'm Googling churches and writing the address, the name of the pastor, their phone number, their email. And so me and my buddies split this thing into three. And in between meetings, we just start showing, like, as we can, we just show up uninvited at churches and say, guess what God's doing? Like, let's get together. Let's pray. Let's like, God's going to bring revival to our state. And to our surprise, as we start doing that, we didn't really get that much excitement or yeses. Everyone was, you know, I'd call it too busy doing church. And we get really kind of bummed out. It's like, what the heck? Like, and especially me, I'm like, God, this was you. 
Like we're doing this together. Like what is wrong? Like why aren't people responding? I expected it just doors to swing open and instant transformation of the city. And yeah, after about a month, it's like, okay, this isn't working. What the heck? So we go from that to me and my buddies, we start getting up really early several times a week. We run up to this hill that is, it's a beautiful spot in Colorado. It overlooks the whole front range. It's gorgeous. But we start going up there and just praying because we don't know what to do. And we start just declaring things over the city because we really believe this. We're like, God, like, and we just, we start prophesying essentially over the city and just declaring and praying and speaking life, blessing the pastors and all this stuff. We honestly don't know what we're doing. It's just like, felt like, what we should do. There was no, like, we didn't have a, a template to follow. We just started doing it. And so in this season of praying, I'm, I'm in between meetings and I, I don't hear a voice, but God speaks to my heart and says, Lewis, go to that church, go to their chapel and pray. And I'm like, okay, sure. And so I, I, I turn into this parking lot. It's a church I had not been to before. And I walk and I'm like, Hey, uh, do y'all have a chapel? And they're like, Oh, it's that building over there. So I go in and I go to open the door and it's locked. And I'm like, dang it. And as I'm shaking the door to open it, I get this tap on my shoulder and it's this like little old 80 year old volunteer, this lady. And she's like, can I help you son? I'm like, yeah, I think God told me to come here to pray. Can I get into pray? She's like, no, it's closed. Yeah. Okay. She's like, well, what are you here to pray about? And I tell her and I just throw up the whole thing on her, you know, revival, God can do this, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, okay. And she doesn't really respond. She's like, do you have a card? So I give her my card and that's it. And I kind of feel silly. Like, oh my gosh, that wasn't God. Like, what am I doing? This is so silly. And uh, go about the rest of my day. Next morning, I'm in the car, I'm on my way uh, to work and I get a call and I'm like, Hey, this is Lewis. How can I help you? And it's this gentleman. I'd never spoken to him before. He's like, Hey, yeah, Lewis. So we had dinner with our friends last night and my friend gave me your card and told me about what was on your heart. And I really felt the Lord speak to me last night and tell me he wants to open the eyes of pastors to see what he sees over our region. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's on. like, Hey, I own a bunch of businesses. And one of my businesses is a charter helicopter jet company. And he's like, I'm giving you five helicopters, get 15 senior pastors. We're going to put them in the sky and they're going to see through God's eyes and pray over our region. Ooh. And I'm like, I start crying. I'm, I'm like, about to cry listening to you. What the heck? I'm freaking out. And so we have this conversation. He puts me in touch with his assistant. I call my buddies and I'm like freaking out. Like, you won't believe what just happened. <laughs> and, and we're just like. What is going on? So about six weeks later, we have 15 senior pastors in helicopters flying over the front range of Colorado, <laughs> praying for revival and unity in our city. And it sparked this prayer movement throughout and it got it launched and it got crazy really quickly. Anyways, for about a year, we were leading prayer groups. So we were we'd coordinate the whole thing, invite pastors and Every week, all the pastors would go to a different church and we'd have an hour and a half of praying and fellowship, mm. all this stuff. And it took a life of its own. Well, long story short, about two years after that, to skip ahead, Red Rocks Amphitheater was packed out. They called it Worship on the Rocks. We had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it took a life of its own. And there was this massive revival called Worship on the Rocks. And it was, it was every seat was packed, just praising God and giving our, our entire city and region to the Lord. It was crazy. And so, so it, it set things in motion around unity, revival, and that like God can do anything. And it really became a foundation with a history with God to move forward. It took a life of its own, that whole prayer unity thing. And it was, okay, well, what's next? And at the time I'm still doing insurance stuff. 
I'm in the consulting world and we're, we're helping large employers with managing healthcare and benefits for their employees. And we're right there by Colorado Springs. We start going after Christian uh, ministries and I ended up getting fired. My company didn't like the Jesus thing. And so I get fired. What was the grounds for your firing? I'm curious, Lewis. Oh, just a cultural misalignment. What, however, they, you know how the, <laughs> they, they wouldn't say Jesus, yeah. um, but that's what they didn't believe in the vision. There, there was a business opportunity there that we could. I, ha, I, I literally built a whole presentation for leadership and I won't name names or companies or anything called Faith, Life and Stewardship. And it was a model to unify churches and aggregate their risks for insurance stuff. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I get fired and can't get a job and our savings runs out. And we start getting into this pretty crazy financial crunch. And my marriage is better, but it's still not great. Anyways, long story short, it got so bad. I had to take a job working $10 an hour, packing peanuts and walnuts into bags at some assembly thing outside of Denver just to make ends meet. It was a dude at our church that I knew. He's like, man, I, I can't pay you much, but if you need a paycheck, you can start tomorrow. So you're going from this unbelievable scenario of flying around with pastors, praying over the city. The Red Rock Amphitheater happens, takes on a life of its own. You start pursuing that vertical market, as it were, of churches, and mm-hmm. you get let go from the company. And now you're packing walnuts and other nuts for 10 bucks an hour. And you're living the dream now, brother. Oh, it's, it gets really, real, really quick. My, my family is giving us money to help us. We're renting a home. We don't own a home and I can't pay rent. All the stress, all the stuff. It's bad. And the funny thing is this place I was working, it was a guy through church, every single person that worked there, no one was wealthy, but they all were this, they all loved Jesus. And it was an environment like I had never been in. So in the midst of all this insanity, I show up and the entire day, literally they're worshiping, there's music, they're praying for each other. And I find myself having more fun and going deeper with the Lord, packing peanuts into bags. I'm not even kidding. than I have in my life. And I have this amazing season where it's in the midst of all this stuff, it's, it's exponential growth with the Lord in a really hard time. And we're pretty much not paying our bills, but God's taking me on this crazy journey. And I just find myself surrendering, like just, it doesn't matter. Like God will mm. figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember one day I'm in jeans and a dirty t-shirt with like nut dust all over me. And I have an interview that day. And I tell my, the guy I work for, I'm like, Hey man, I, I might be able to get a, a job and I need to take half the day off. And he's like, Oh yeah. Like we're praying for you. Do it. And, uh, and it's this big, fancy consulting firm, national global consulting firm. And uh, so I go from like nut dust and my just a mess. I bust out the suit I hadn't worn in, in a while, go do this interview in this really fancy building in Denver and get the job. And uh, so it was like, it was like, Jesus, this is awesome. And it pays more than I've ever made in my career. But this thing is still in my heart, this vision of unifying the church and, and taking God and bringing him into this thing called the insurance industry. And I really see this opportunity. And we start working with big ministries in, in Colorado Springs. Uh, there's a bunch of them down there. Uh, there's like, it's a little mecca for them. And, but the Jesus thing, still the people I'm working for aren't liking it. And uh, things actually went really well. But within uh, the first year, I get fired again, believe it or not. 
And they had no business firing me. It was crazy. But I get fired and my wife's just like, you got to drop this. Like, this is crazy. All the stuff, like you can't, like our family is important. Like we, we got to have income. And so in the season, I get fired again. And me and some guys I knew, we said essentially, well, screw it. We're just going to start our own company. We'll just do it ourselves. So we start this uh, company. At the time, it was called uh, Enterprise Risk Strategies, ERS. Mm-hmm. And so we start as company and, and we go back to making hardly any money and stressing about everything, every penny, but we're free and we start, re- the business explodes. So we're working with all the big ministries in Colorado Springs. We build this community. We call it the Christian Alliance for Benefits or CAB. And it takes a life of its own. This thing really starts growing and we're aggregating ministries. We're essentially pooling the risk for life and disability insurance and all this stuff, essentially everything but healthcare. And God starts just breathing on this thing. It's amazing. We start getting clients in Florida and out in California, Reading, uh, all over. God just starts opening these doors and it's awesome. And in the middle of that, one day we get a call because a lot of our ministries are telling us like, hey, you need to do what you're doing with us with all this, all these products, but you need to do it for healthcare. Like that's our big problem. If you know anything about healthcare, it's a mess. If there's an industry out there, it's 20% of GDP and it's not working. And especially nowadays with COVID, I mean, everybody's looking at healthcare. It is like custom position for God to move because it's such a big problem. So anyways, we're we, uh, we're trying to figure out how to aggregate healthcare, and that's not easy. That's an extremely difficult thing to do. And when you start aggregating, you have to go into this modes of self-funding, which introduces risk and financial liability that doesn't exist with traditional healthcare. I may be getting too technical. But the big thing is it's not an easy thing to do, and there is potentially tons of risk. And so in the season of trying to figure it out, we get a call from the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. They're now called CityGate, but it's all the homeless ministries throughout the United States. And, uh, and this is how God just sets things up. It's so crazy. He, we get a call like, hey, we're thinking of building an association health plan for all of our member organizations. We heard you do faith-based stuff. Would you mind presenting to our board? And I'm like, it's out of nowhere. And I'm like, yes, yeah. <laughs> of course we'll do that. And so we spend, our team spends like two or three months preparing for this thing. And it's a huge deal. Like we are, we're jazzed up on it. Like this is the door. God's opened it. We get to this board meeting. They have an 18 member board that flies in and we start our presentation. And within about a minute of me starting, the president of the association stops the whole thing. He's like, I am so sorry to his board. He's like, there's been a horrible mistake. And he looks at us, he's like, we thought this was going to be a property and casualty presentation, not a healthcare presentation. You're not supposed to be here. Whoa. So essentially his admin accidentally invited the wrong people to the meeting. So they're about to just have us leave. But the board, the minute that we gave was enough where they actually voted and actually voted to have us continue our presentation. <laughs> to finish the thing. So I we finish, it. we go about two hours, we do the presentation and momentum just takes over. And we launched this national program for all of the homeless ministries in America. And it's, and we're geeking out. We are, we're dreaming, we're creating things that literally have never been done structurally. It's a crazy big thing. We're, we're super excited. And we're going to launch this thing at this national convention that they do. So Mm -hmm. they do this big thing. We fly to Milwaukee. There's going to be like over a thousand people there. 
And we set up our booth. I'm on fire, excited about what God's doing. And we have all of our insurance posse at this convention. So Igna and Standard and the data people, all these, all the reps that are part of this, they're all there to help us with the rollout. And we set up everything the day before it starts and we're all going to go to dinner. And so we have our, there's a group of like 15 of us and we're going to go to dinner. We start walking through downtown Milwaukee to go to this place. It's the Milwaukee Broadhouse is what it's called. Okay. So anyways, we're on our way and and on this, on the way, uh, this homeless guy is like, Hey, y'all have some money. Do you have 32 cents? I need 32 cents. We're all like dressed up and, and I look over at him and I just feel God say, buy him dinner. And uh, I'm like, Hey man, don't have money, but if you want, like we're all heading to dinner, like, come on, come with us. We'll buy you dinner. And so all the insurance people, most of them are like atheist or secular and they're not believers. So we're, me and the homeless dude are in the back. His name's Joe and, and all the insurance people are up ahead. And I just start talking to him and getting to know him. And it turns out he has this insane story. He had just gotten out of jail. He had been in jail for about 10 years. And and the reason he went to jail is he was in a gang and him and a rival gang got into like a gunfight, some crazy thing. And anyways, he got his leg got shot multiple times. The, The bullet shattered a bone in his leg. He ended up going to jail. He had a huge rep rap list, just not good stuff. Yeah. Well, in jail, his leg never healed right. And so he's like, yeah, that's why I walk the way I do is my legs all jacked up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so at this time we're, we're at the Milwaukee Broadhouse. We have a big table and me and the homeless dude are kind of sitting at the bar. We're not drinking. Of course, I'm just, we, I had ordered him food. We're waiting for his food to come. And I hear God say, I want to make all things new, like all things new. And I'm like, okay. And so I, I start talking to him about Jesus. I'm like, Hey man, uh, I really feel God wants to make all things new. Like your story is crazy. And I was like, let's go outside. Is it cool if I pray with you? And so he's like, yeah, sure, man. And so we go outside and I was like, tell me like specifically what I can pray for. And he's like, well, my leg, it constantly reminds me of what I did. I was like, well, okay. And he he shows me, he sits down, he puts his feet out and like one leg is at least two inches shorter than the other, like significantly shorter. Instantly, my heart starts beating because I know what God's calling me to do. (laughs) And I freak out. I'm like, oh my gosh, you better show up because I'm going to look like the biggest idiot ever right now. And I've never prayed for some, I've never done that ever. I I have to do this. And so I was like, dude, can we just pray for your leg then? He's like, yeah. So he's sitting in this chair. We're outside the Milwaukee Brot House. There's people everywhere. And there's this random homeless dude. I I hold (laughs) his heels and I'm like, all right. I was like, this is Jesus. It's not me, man. And I, and I just say, Hey, in the name of Jesus leg, uh, command you grow out. And in front of both of us, his leg just pops out as the, it just, it literally just goes. And I freak out. The homeless guy freaks out, Joe, like I'm literally screaming. There's tears coming out of my <laughs> eyes. I'm more freaking out than Joe is pretty much. And I'm like, Joe, do you have any idea what God just did? This is insane. I'm like total freak out mode. And so I'm like hugging him. Like he's totally freaking out too. I was like, dude, like bend over, touch your toes. Like, I bet you there's no more pain. He has no more pain. Wow. It's crazy. I was like, we have to go inside. All the people we're with have to know exactly what happened like right now. So I grab him, pretty much drag him by the hand. My brain's not even working at this point. I'm so just ecstatic. Sure. I'm like, Joe, tell everybody what just happened. And there's this table with 10 or so, 10, 12 insurance people. Remember, they're not believers. They're, yeah. they're just random reps from these companies, Cigna, et cetera. And Jotes is like literally crying. He tells everybody what happened. And they're just like, what the heck is going on? And I'm like, 
Jesus just did this. I was like, God's in this program. This is a sign. Like, this is crazy. I'm just, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just freak out mode because it's like this whole layer of stuff I had only read about. Right. Yeah. So anyways, about a half hour later, he gets dinner, praying over him, give him a little money. I was like, dude, go find a church. Tell them what happened. They're going to take care of you. You're going to be, you're going to be great. And the dude doesn't have email. He doesn't have a cell phone. He doesn't have anything. So like, I couldn't even stay in touch. I have a great picture of him and I at the Broadhouse, both of us just with the biggest geeky smiles ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome, but that's it. And uh, so it's set in motion, this thing. We called it CityGate Benefits, this association health plan. And that was the beginning. That was literally the day before the national launch. And so that sets everything in motion. And then and during this time, our business continues to grow this unify, but we have this core nugget, this foundation, which is unify the church, bring God into the healthcare system and reframe it for his glory. And it's this big impossible thing, but it's like we have the foundation. Mm-hmm. And actually a good part of the story, we, we launched the thing the next day. I literally get off stage. We're going to do this cool presentation in front of like the biggest crowd I've ever presented to. And so it's over a thousand people. And uh, I get off stage and my phone rings and I answer it. It's this gentleman, Ted Esler. He's like, Hey, this is Ted Esler. I'm like, Hey, Ted, how are you? And he's like, Hey, I'm president of an association called Missio Nexus. We're the largest association of uh, Great Commission organizations in North America. <laughs> We're doing an exploratory uh, study on, a, on an association health plan. And your name came up. Is that something you all do? And I was like, wow. Well, actually, yeah, I just got off stage <laughs> launching one. And uh, we'd start talking. And I'm like, what the heck? Well, it turns out they had been for six months doing this process. And they went to the really big national consulting firms, right? And then uh, one of them dropped out. And somebody on their exploratory committee said, well, I know these guys in Colorado Springs that do faith stuff, like maybe throw them on the list. So we were just like an afterthought. But anyways, months later, we end up, they choose us to build their plan. And before we know it, we're selected and we start vision casting for Missio. And we're going to call their program Missio Benefits. Well, I'm praying about it. And God says, Lewis, this is not just for their association. This is for my church. Their structure and their membership guidelines allow them any Christian organization that agrees with their statement of faith, which is just basics of biblical Christianity, can be a member. So we start vision casting with their board. I'm like, guys, this is for everybody. There's over a half million Christian employers based in the U.S. And we can reshape healthcare. Like God's calling us to, this is not just your membership. Mm. This is for everybody. They agree and away we go. And in that season, things start getting really hard. So the CityGate Benefits Program COVID happens. And if you know anything about rescue missions, they are pretty much frontline workers. They're in the inner cities and serving our nation's homeless day after day. And in COVID, they don't stop. They're still every day in, day out, frontline workers, essentially. Well, we started getting crazy COVID claims, essentially ICU events within their plan. And the, the experience, the claims experience just starts going south. Where we have a big issue through COVID in a few months, we racked up, it was like $1.3 million of COVID related claims that no one planned for. And so the plan is essentially bankrupt, wow. right? It is not good. So in that season, Missio Benefits, it's taking off. It it, it has its own crazy God story, but but we have CityGate that's essentially on the verge of financial collapse. On the Missio side, that program starts going and instantly we start getting this crazy legal challenge on both a state level, the program's based in Florida, and a national level. 
with the IRS. The problem was, is that for Missio Benefits, because it was so broad in its application, like we're going to unite the big C church, it was a threat to the insurance industry. So we had a vendor doing the International Medical Administration pulled out the day before the program launched. We actually got a call from London from their CEO saying, we're just not comfortable with this. We're pulling out. We're like, we have a contract. You can't do that. And so we started the program where about 40% of the people in the plan didn't have insurance. It caused this insanity, as you could imagine. Mm -hmm. And so all hell broke loose is the bottom line. We have Citygate that essentially is bankrupt. Missio starts going through this legal challenge. It got so bad, and I can share this publicly. You know, Ted Essler, the president of Missio Nexus, it got so bad. There were people trying to destroy us legally. They were saying, like, Ted, this is a felony offense if you lose. You're going to go to jail. So the president of this association of mission agencies, who's a former missionary, man of God, the most amazing dude ever, is like, like he could go to jail under felony charge. That's how insane it gets. Wow. And we're like, what the heck? So for about a week, I just stopped working. I don't even know what to do. It's like, what do you do? And we're just praying. And I'm literally go back to that same hill where we were praying for God to show up for the pastors to move. Yeah. And a few buddies are there. And in that season, uh, God shows up again. It turns out one of our big challenges is Missio Nexus legally we were trying to prove it was a church plan. There was a lot of reasons it should have been a church plan, but you know there was a lot of money and people trying to prove it wasn't. In the midst of that, it turns out about 70 years ago, that association under a former name actually filed and received church status. But because it was so long ago, no one knew it had been forgotten. So in the midst of this thing, we're literally about the whole thing's about to get shut down. God in that season, and it, it changed my whole perspective. He's like, Lewis, before you were born, I gave you this victory. Before you were born, I gave that like this was already solved. And so our lawyers, we have these amazing attorneys, they find this and they're like, you're and they're they're freaking out. Like, I cannot believe this. And so it's in the archives in the IRS somewhere. They figure this out. And no one at Missio Nexus, their board, they had no idea it existed. So we get this church status, it squashes everything at a federal level. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden the IRS says, Okay, well. And then they have to, they actually had to create a new category for this because generally church plans are tied to a denomination or ministry. Well, this is a church plan for the big C church. So it actually created technically a new category of church plan mm. for a church, mm -hmm. um, which was kind of cool. But then on a state level in Florida with the church status, we were about to be destroyed in Florida. Well, because of that victory, the state of Florida totally did a 180. And they issued for the first time in their history, something called an exemption letter, which essentially is in, in writing. The state of Florida says, hey, Missio Benefits, we acknowledge you exist. We know you're a church plan. Be warm and be filled. We're not going to regulate. <laughs> and they had never in the history. And there's a lot of big ministries that are church plans in Florida. A lot of it, pioneers, Wycliffe, crew. There's a bunch of them. None of them have this letter. So we get this letter and within a like a. A week period, there's this radical victory, bulletproof legal victory. It's just instant. And we're all just like in shock. Like I, we can't, we still have the issue of like cleaning up everything on the back end, but like we have the victory. Yeah. And so needless to say, there's a lot of stress through this season. I mean, a lot of, it tested big time faith. We now have thousands of people involved in this thing from all over the world that are depending on it for their families and like the pressure's high. So we get the victory and then the season, the word right before we got it that the Lord gave us was there was actually a worship song. 
I raise a hallelujah. But in that song, the, the sword that Goliath pointed at David became the sword David used to cut the giant's head off with. That word ended up holding true for, for what happened. It was crazy. Anyways, we get the legal break- breakthrough. Citygate is in financial crisis mode, but we're able to merge Citygate because for them, it's not like a forever thing. Like we got the, the COVID, it got under control, but the damage was done, but we stopped the bleeding, but we still now had damage control. Mm-hmm. Well, Citygate ended up merging into Missio. So now it's just one gigantic program and away we go. And that put, brings us where we're at today, where uh, we are now, it's thousands of people, every nation on earth, all 50 states. It's about 120 total ministries that are in the program. And I am sure... Our challenges are not done, but it's been just an amazing journey. The The next thing we're looking at, and it's really fun, we have this gigantic self-funded church plan, which means we have all the data. The program controls itself. It owns all the, the information. So we have an integrated data warehouse. So all the medical claims, pharmacy claims, eligibility, absence, all this stuff is aggregated. And we have really advanced, smart people, not me. Who, uh, who do our <laughs> analytics, predictive modeling, and all the advanced stuff to help steward the plan. Well, what we're looking at is actually bringing prayer, God's supernatural power, into the healthcare stewardship equation. And what that means is we're building an app-based prayer team, kind of like Uber, like the Uber app, where yeah. you call up a ride and there's some random driver who says, yeah, I'll take that one. Well, we'll have a prayer team. We're building it in partnership with National Day of Prayer. And the vision is to have this app with a prayer team connected to it where people can get prayer for anything, physical healing, relational healing, financial, whatever, just they can get prayer Mm -hmm. and it'll be accessible to all the members in our plan. The cool thing is when people get prayer, that that is now a data set that goes into the integrated data warehouse, which is tied to all this claims information, ICD-10 codes. Therefore, after a few years, once the data is fully credible, It'll be the first time we're aware of that we'll actually be able to publish a formal ROI study tied to prayer within the context of the traditional U.S. healthcare system. That's incredible. And what we're believing will happen is the supernatural realm will enter healthcare in a way that both the church and the secular world cannot ignore. It'll mm. force the reckoning, we believe, where the world will have to deal with the data because the data will be what the data will be. We believe that'll be part of this story that God is writing is that it's not just stewarding things well, using wisdom and wise counsel and technology and high risk data analytics, all this stuff, but actually inviting God and his power into it. And if the church is going to unite and be this united front that transforms healthcare, you know, you, you can do creative things, but the unfair advantage, our unfair advantage in society is we carry this thing called the Holy Spirit. And God is who he says he is. He's real. Like he he actually created the universe by his breath mm. and everything exploded. And he actually is sovereign. He actually has power and his spirit lives within us. And what that means is that we have this unfair advantage, creativity, excellence in business, innovation. It shouldn't be Silicon Valley owning that. It should be the church. We have the genius of heaven within us, and it ought to be believers walking with the Lord, listening to his invoice, engaging their faith that transform industries and society for his glory. And it shouldn't just be that we have big, successful companies. 
It should be that the world takes notice and says, what the heck is that? Yeah. What are these Christians? Yeah. Like what, how are they doing this? How does, how is their claims experience this radically different than everything we're doing? Mm-hmm. And the only thing they'll be able to look at is God. And so it's a crazy journey, man. I guarantee you, if you interviewed, if we did this interview six months or a year from now, there'll be probably a few other crazy challenges we have to get through. And what I've learned, there's been enough crisis type things along this journey. It's all this continuum with the Lord. And as you look back, it's the moments that are the hardest that become the moments of greatest testimony that God uses. It's you know Hebrews 11.3, by faith, men of old received a word from the Lord and they framed the world with it. What that means is there's resistance. Engaging faith means that things make no sense. You have to step into that void where the only thing you can land on or lean on is God. And I think that's the secret sauce God's waiting for his church. And I believe it's happening. It's not just, I I believe this is happening, honestly, in every single industry out there right now. And it's about to be part of a big move of God, I I personally believe. Mm -hmm. But it's taking that step, listening to God, and kind of saying, you know what? God said it. I'm doing it. Yeah. And as long as God's with me, who can stand against me? So that's it, man. And it's this big, crazy thing. And and like we said at the beginning, I just hope if there's anything I hope anybody gets from this, it's that he speaks, he's amazing, and he's calling us to bring his realm to earth, to bring his value system to reflect through his kids, through his sons and daughters, what it's supposed to be because the word earth as it is not as it's supposed to be and so we've been called truly to transform society for his glory our yes is one of the most powerful things in creation i I truly believe that so true you know I'm, i'm just thinking back to when you were at the church and the lord dropped this idea on you and you were just signing that petition Nothing's changed since then in terms of that call on your life. It's the same. It's worldwide. And it always has been. Isn't that crazy? Honestly, to not know where exactly God's taking it, but to know he's taking it. To like be able to just say, okay, hey, I don't even know where this is going, but like, mm-hmm. and whatever this looks like, wherever it goes, Lord, I'm with you and I trust you and let's do this. Mm. And you know, and out of that, yes, no marriage is perfect. My marriage is still not perfect, but my wife and I have come a long way and we have three beautiful children and God has truly blessed our family. And it's his faithfulness is ridiculous. He's so good and how he can take people. I was a mess, man. Everything wrong you could be doing, especially when I was younger, I was a total mess. And that that doesn't deter God. Um, like, oh, well, you're not qualified. (laughs) I've been knocking on your door. You've said no too many times, Lewis, like forget you. I'm out. There's a hundred others. I'm going to just do this through. Like he actually is faithful. Like he'll actually hang in there and endure it as we just go through our own weirdness of getting to a point of yes and actually listening and engaging. And then the thing is he's not even mad on the other end. It was, (laughs) I ran into this God that's just He's proud of me. He's like, look how I see you. And it's it was the exact opposite of what I thought it would be. It was a loving father who saw nothing but the potential and was just excited to start taking steps. Yeah. Like even with the 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 things I screwed up along the way, it's not like I've been perfect or done everything. I love my wife perfectly, made perfect decisions in business. It's been bumpy for sure. And he's faithful, he's long suffering, he's good. Yeah. And he never gives up. And mm. there's this thing to his nature 
that is having been someone that was addicted to pornography, he is the most addictive person substance thing in creation. It's taste and see that the Lord is good and he's really good. Um, so I just I hope that encourages people. How can people find out more about Missio? They could visit missiobenefits.org. That has all the, the, the stuff about Missio and the universe of things we're, we're doing with that. So that'd be cool. Okay. Well, as we finish up here, Lewis, would you please pray for our listeners? Yeah, Father, um, you're just good. You are supreme. You are undefeated. You are amazing. And I thank you for everybody that listens to this. I thank you for their story. I thank you for where they're at right this moment. I thank you, Lord, that when you look at them, you see, you literally see them through the lens of your son. You see through the lens of Jesus and you are just filled with love. And Lord, I thank you that you're calling every single one of us and every story is different, Lord, but you're calling us to give you a yes, to partner with you, to talk to you about what life looks like, what our journey is. And Father, I just say, release faith. Release a rebirth of the belief in the impossible, Lord, that you that in our day, the world can change around us, whether it's with our children and our marriages, in school, in our businesses, in our churches, Lord, wherever we are, whatever you've given us, help us to dream with you and to see the impossible in whatever it is we're in. And Lord, I just release that. I ask Holy Spirit that you'd speak to everyone listening to this, Lord, that that they would have a profound encounter with you where they see through your eyes, maybe for the first time, even like, like I did when you first started talking to me. So Lord, we love you. I just thank you for what you're doing on the earth. In Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Lewis, thank you for sharing your story. So good. Hey brother. Love you, man. Thank you for this opportunity to be with you. It's great. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.